The American POTUS Podcast is a 501c3 nonprofit show supported by listener patriots just like you. To help us keep the program going, please join others around the nation by considering a tax-deductible donation. You can make your contribution and see what exciting plans we have for new podcasts and other outreach programs at AmericanPOTUS.org. Thank you for your support, and we hope you enjoy this episode. On this episode of American POTUS, sharing presidential history with your kids that's both accurate and fun to read. Washington, Lincoln, Roosevelt, JFK, they're all American stories are ripe with genuinely heroic tales, but also some embarrassing missteps that every young American can still learn from. Put the standard issue school history books aside. We're looking at the presidency with a modern-day, kid-centric storyteller and illustrator. They're action-packed, best-selling stories of four presidents and their influence on the world is next on American POTUS. I'm Scott Brunn with the National Museum of American Presidents. With the help of presidential scholar Alan Lowe, we're opening the book on the men who have held our nation's highest office. In each episode, we tap into our nationwide cabinet of historians, authors, experts, and others to reveal the most compelling moments from these extraordinary patriots. Our guest for this episode on the heroic exploits of our chief executives is Fred Van Lente and Ryan Dunleavy. They're the men responsible for a terrific set of four books called Action Presidents. Fred is a New York Times bestselling author of comics and finds personal satisfaction telling history's greatest tales in an accurate but offbeat way. His partner for this series of books is professional illustrator Ryan Dunleavy. It's his visual translation of these four presidents that make the stories really pop off the page. In addition to his printed illustrations, he's also worked for a wide range of TV networks and school systems. Gentlemen, we've been looking forward to having you both on. Thanks for joining us here on American POTUS. Thanks for having us. Thanks, guys. Thanks. We're glad to be here. Ryan and Fred, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed Action Presidents. I laughed. I cried. I learned a lot, really. <laughs> you know, I've studied the presidents for so many years, but you pack a lot of great information in a fun format and all those. So thank you so much for joining us here today. I guess I'm just going to open it up with asking you, what led to your love of history? I don't know if I've had a love of history. Fred certainly has more of one than I do. But we started doing non, we kind of just uh, stumbled on doing nonfiction, funny uh, comics completely by accident. I got invited to do a biography comic for this anthology, and I had no idea how to write it. Write it. I was writing and drawing my own comics, and I turned to Fred. And I was like, "Hey, why don't you, you know, can we come up with something?" And he wanted. He suggested we do one on Frederick Nietzsche, and somehow that turned into a whole graphic novel, our first graphic novel about uh, philosophy, where we did like every philosopher you can think of in comic book form action philosophers yeah and then that led to and then he's like oh let's keep this going we did one on about the um the history of comics following that and that we did really well and then a buddy of ours was putting together a textbook sort of a prototype comic book textbook for kids where it was all comics and invited us to do we had talked about doing a series on the presidents where we do single issues starting with george washington and doing you know 40 some issues one per one per issue and uh, he, inv- our buddy invited us to be part of this textbook and things just sort of collided and we gave it a shot. So we did it and we did a comic on George Washington. 
Well, I'm glad glad you did that. When when you when you get together and and put these together, how do you work? How, what's the creative process? How do you do? divide up the work? What are the stages of putting something like this together? It's pretty straightforward. The, uh, you know, Ryan and I sort of talk about the direction we want to go and, and what the project is generally. And then I generally go off and just read a lot. Like, <laughs> so I don't have to. You know? <laughs> <laughs> nice. And then the, the fun part about comics is that you can, you can be very concise and condense mm-hmm. a lot of information. That's the old cliche of a picture being worth a thousand words. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've been doing this action philosophers, which Ryan just described came, we really started working that what on 2002, 2003, something like that. So we've been doing this for almost 20 years. So it's kind of become semi unconscious at this point <laughs> to, to go back to your earlier question. I don't really remember when I had a love for history, but I, I actually, I, I tried a bunch of different majors in college. Uh, one was film. I, I had, did have a history minor and actually I, I'm just now remembering this. I, what made me drop my my minor was a class on the American presidency. Oh no, <laughs> which I really intensely disliked because this the it was very much about sort of political theory and about mm-hmm. what the president you know how the president's powers have evolved since yeah. the Constitution was first written and so forth. And I was just like, I just want to tell stories. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> I, have no, I have no interest in the the actual theory behind a chief executive and what it means to be a head of state. I could care less. I want to tell awesome stories about fascinating and, and frequently insane occurrences <laughs> from the past. So but I didn't I don't think I lasted a year as a as a history minor because I just found academic history to be brutally uninteresting <laughs> <laughs> and so much that i know depends on the teacher too of how you, yeah. know, you can yeah. use stories to, right. to teach those lessons but uh, i'm sorry that didn't happen in your case but i'm glad you kind of stuck with history and now we have these wonderful wonderful books as a result and i gotta say you know you say a picture is worth a thousand words i couldn't think of anything in any of these books that i would have added in that you had left out in some way. You you touched so many That's big topics in all these books. They're just terrific. Thanks. So when you you're writing them, who who do you think your main audience is? Who are you writing to? Well, you know, most of our stuff is aimed at adults. This is the first time we've done something that's explicitly middle grade, which in, you know, book publishing lingo means basically sixth, seventh, eighth graders. But we think these books are pretty, you know, you guys clearly are older than the eighth grade. Well, physically, yes. If I check your medical records, right. I will prove that, that you are ineligible for the eighth grade. Um, but when we, so I think we, I mean, I initially thought of this series as being for adults, but we kind of got miscommunicated with our agent. And so he ended up just pitching it basically to kids publishers or the kids divisions at major publishers until we finally landed at HarperCollins and, mm-hmm. My attitude was like, all right. <laughs> yeah. right. We had pitched something that was much similar to Action Philosophers and that it was a much sort of crazier, like we wanted to do. Like, I mean, I love, you know, I would have wanted to have done William Henry Harrison or, you yeah. know, Zachary Taylor or James A., James K. Polk. I, I will go on and on and on about how my favorite president is Chester Arthur. Ah. At least well, in terms of story. Yeah. All right. Uh, but unfortunately, the publisher, fortunately or unfortunately, I mean, I think the books turned out great, so it's not unfortunately, but the, the publisher wanted us to do kind of the marquee presidents, you know. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> so we couldn't do, we weren't really uh, able to do the uh, the Rutherford, the James Garfields of the world. <laughs> yeah. Which I would yeah, do. this was the first time we did books so focused on a single subject. We usually do it very, you know, whiplash yeah. style. We'll just go through the, we just finished a book on uh, 
on animation that's coming out in the summer. And oh. it was we got the whole history of it done in 128 pages, which is wow. still insane to me. But, you know, that we did it. <laughs> um, and that so. was neat because that was a biography of an idea as opposed to a person, which is also super interesting. Very neat. What's that book going to be called? That's called the comic book history. Excuse me. Yes, the comic book history of animation, yeah. and uh, it's actually right now available in comic book form on Comicsology and uh, oh. in your local store. Very neat. Uh, well, we'll look can't for wait it until July or whenever it is. There's a lot of shipping problems with printed materials these days. So yeah, I, quite, <laughs> I don't know quite when the book will be arriving in, in stores. The the trade paperback. Well, I would say I'm, I'm, I am sorry that the, the publisher wasn't interested in doing some of the lesser known presidents. I, I for one, have a real affection for James K. Polk, and I he sure sets, sets an oh, interesting yeah. character. Scott knows this, so I, I would love to see you guys do one on him. But oh, yeah. The man yeah. who died, what, a month after he, he just left, left and died. He did all four things he wanted to do, so I'm going to go I'm home. Out. I went home and I died. That's what he did. That's it's right. pretty, pretty amazing. I'm out, literally. <laughs> right. I'm out. It would have been great to have done the whole cluster F behind Rutherford B. Hayes's quote unquote election right, um, right. Yeah. oh yeah resonance to the current day and and we we had done a couple sample like i i did one on andrew johnson would mm. he who's such a weirdo um <laughs> <laughs> terrible person and sort of fascinating in his own way yeah. um andrew jackson of course but uh yeah but you know uh we ended up uh they the washington and lincoln were givens mm-hmm. they they basically foisted JFK on us because Har- Harper is the well, because JFK sells books essentially, and Harper also uh, is the publishers of JFK. Like they publish Profiles mm-hmm. and Courage and so on. I see. Um, but we had a big fight over whether or not we were going to do Teddy Roosevelt or Franklin Roosevelt. I my preference would have been to not done JFK and just done Teddy and, and FDR. Mm-hmm. But they didn't want us to do Teddy Roosevelt for some inconceivable reason. And it wasn't mm-hmm. until I went into the I was in the gift shop at the American Museum of Natural History in New York, and I just took a photo of all the kids' books. They have a whole wall of Teddy <laughs> Roosevelt kids' books, and that that finally persuaded them. If you'd like to know more about the Action Presidents book series, simply visit AmericanPotus.com. We have a resource section there with links to all four of the current titles, as well as more information on Fred and Ryan. And while you're there, send us a note and let us know about any other authors or books that you think would make for an interesting future episode. Thanks for listening to American POTUS. So tell me about Noah the Historky. How do you come up with that character? Well, the, the big book that spawned all these nonfiction comics is Understanding Comics by Scott McCloud, in which Scott draws himself as as a cartoon character sort of explaining stuff to you. Okay. And a lot of very successful nonfiction comics, mainstream books, are people narrating the story, right? Mm-hmm. There's this great series called Nathan Hale's Hazardous Tales, and the Patriot spy Nathan Hale is basically telling these stories to, right, to prevent himself from being hung, right? Mm-hmm. by the British who have captured him. And so I thought we should have a character like that as sort of an in for, for kids, but I didn't want to do an eagle because <laughs> I'm sick of eagles. <laughs> <laughs> eagle, as I'm sure you guys know, is a very popular animal to be your country's symbol. Mm-hmm. Like there's one on the Mexican flag and there's, like, there's one on the Austrian flag and, you know, Greece probably has an eagle. Everybody loves <laughs> eagles, but but Benjamin Franklin famously opined that the turkey should be the state, the the official bird of America. So, mm. and when you tell Ryan to draw an angry turkey, those two words are really all he needs. <laughs> yeah, that's all it. it 
was pretty inspiring. Yeah, a lot I'm more sure. than, than an eagle. <laughs> so let's let's dig into the the presidents you cover, and starting with with George Washington. And you, as I said before, you look at so many facets of their lives, but you you always have these wonderful connecting themes. With Washington, you show, in the words of the immortal Noah, the historic he, you say he wasn't some mythological demigod. He did good things and he did bad things. He was a person like you and me, and that's what makes all he accomplished all the more amazing. So why did you choose that specific theme for George Washington? Really was a fascinating guy. You know, he's that whole colonial, the colonial period is probably my favorite period of American history, particularly the revolution. I just, for whatever reason, can't stop reading about it. And I've got a massive collection of revolution books on my bookshelf, even before Ryan and I started this project. But, uh, you know, there's Washington's also been, been heavily overly mythologized first with the whole like cherry tree nonsense. That's the scene that opens the book, obviously. Um, and then sort of the, the real struggle to sort of grapple just as he did in his own lifetime with the legacy of slavery and the fact he was such a massive slaveholder. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seemed like a really good theme to sort of bring those two together to sort of tell kids that, you know, a lot of people, think of history as hagiography. The point of it is to, you know, praise slash tear down as opposed to, I guess I'm more from the neo-scientific camp, which is you should just tell what happened. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And a lot of people get kind of bent out of shape when you claim neutrality. So I, I think it's a good way to sort of have a moral to the story that isn't you know, this is good, this is bad, which is unfortunately the level a lot of people react to everything. Yeah, yeah, you, you do a great job of keeping that going right down the middle and telling the story. And I loved how you started Washington talking about his mother and how difficult she yeah. was as he tried to uh, make his way in the world. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, yeah, it's just sort of a weird situation, right? And that I think he's he didn't really have come from a stable family, and he's one of the few, you know, childless, completely childless presidents, whether or not that was because he was shooting blanks or, right. or you know, the bad luck or whatever. Right. Uh, and, his, and his stepkids died really young. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's, he is a very unusual president in just so many ways. And just the fact that he sort of didn't, he was such a reluctant head of state was, is sort of fascinating. Just the fact that he, he spent, he knew slavery was wrong, but he was kind of stuck. Mm. He felt he was kind of stuck in that position, you know, since he had been a slaveholder since he was 10 years old, yeah. which is sort of crazy, you know. And, and I was fascinated to learn about all the different laws that the colonies and then later the states had to actually make it illegal to free your slaves, mm-hmm. you know, and how that system kind of perpetuated itself. So I've just found all that stuff super fascinating. So you also, in that Washington story, you have a line that says history like baseball can be a game of inches. I really love that line. Can you tell us what that referred to in the Washington book and how maybe you've seen it true in other stories from history? When Washington was a young man, he got sent out in the middle of winter to spy on the French. Well, not literally to spy. He was actually going and basically delivering an ultimatum to the French who were building a fort near modern day Pittsburgh and uh, on the way back, they got kind of lost, he and one of his companions, and they had to hire a guide from a town either called Murdering Town <laughs> or mm. Mothering Town, depending on who you ask. Wow. And this guy uh, was Native American, and he 
decided to kill, try and kill Washington and his companion during on the way back, either to rob them or perhaps because he was allied with the French, as many of the Native Americans were. Uh, but he missed uh, uh, shooting at Washington, and since guns those guns in those days sucked, uh, <laughs> was not able to get off another shot before Washington and, and his pal overpowered this guy, and they claimed they didn't kill him. <laughs> right, right, right. Sure, sure. <laughs> but you think again? You know, look at how different our world would have been. I, I think people often call Washington the indispensable man, and sometimes those kinds of statements are overstated. But in his case, I don't think that's that's true. I think without him, I don't see the revolution being successful. So, uh, yeah, and, history and, changed. And, on you know, that. if if this guy muskets were in the mid eighteenth century muskets were notoriously terrible. So if this musket ball had gone, you know, a couple inches to the left or the right or, you know, yeah, uh, would have flown, flown a little more true, you know, and Washington would have been killed when he was 20. The history would have yeah. unfurled much differently. So let's turn to Abraham Lincoln. One of the kids in your, your book about Lincoln, the Action President's book about Lincoln, says that he gave words to the ideals of freedom and democracy that have provided hope inside and outside America's borders. Now, while developing that theme, what was your approach in dealing with the difficult parts of the Lincoln story, like slavery and racism and the savagery of the war, his assassination? And as part of that, can you tell us a bit about the, the character Pappy the Confederate Crawdad? <laughs> Love <good>. Pappy. <laughs> another good Ryan <laughs> creation. Well, I just thought it was funny that, that – you know, since we were talking about dueling presidents, right? Because your Jefferson Davis is the yeah. president of of the Confederacy. I thought it would be funny to have a character sort of like Noah the Histerky sort of voice the whole pro Confederate side and sort of do it in such a way that was both sort of silly while not mitigating. The, the sort of crimes of slavery or a mm-hmm. lot of the ridiculous mm-hmm. positions the pro-Confederates had, like their whole states' rights right. position, um, which doesn't really make much sense when you think about it. And, and I got to draw a crawdad in a big Yosemite Sam hat. How can you say no to that? <laughs> and there had to be some fun discussions about the name. What were the other, were oh, there no, other that was, options? That was all Fred. I mean, it was yeah. just, uh, these things show up in the scripts and I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's good. That's pretty funny. I can do that. Like that. I'll draw that, sure. <laughs> yeah, Pappy, I, I don't think Pappy had any other names. Pappy's role was to be completely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I sort of was like expecting us to get yelled at or denounced on Twitter <laughs> or whatever, but yeah. um, we, we it, never, we never get denounced. <laughs> we get denounced much. I, I, I sincerely believe it's Ryan's style mm. is sort, sort of open and I don't I don't want to insult him by calling it inoffensive. <laughs> like, <laughs> he really is a great cartoonist. But I think it's yes. that empathy that that goes along with, with being a great cartoonist that that kind of blunts a lot of the criticism and sort of makes blunts a lot of the harshness of the actual criticism of, you know, what Pappy's supposed to represent and right. um, makes people not that angry. That's what I'm here for, Fred. I'm here to dull down your edges. That's right. You're, you're, you're here to nerf me. Yeah, nerf you. With Teddy Roosevelt, you show in the Action President's book about him the importance of being in the arena, of standing up for what you believe in. Can you tell us a few ways you show that in Teddy's life and how you chose those specific instances in the book? 
Yeah, well, Teddy's a really interesting character in general because he was someone who was, particularly when he was in the Navy, people thought he was going to start, you know, a number of wars. Really, he only kind of dabbled in the one. <laughs> right. uh, but then when he became president, he, you know, he won the Nobel Peace Prize and he generally mm-hmm. kept, he always kept right up, he always sort of went right up to the line of doing terrible things, but either through sheer luck or, you know, the, a lot of the Philippine, you know, the, there are all these horrific atrocities that the Americans, you know, committed during the Philippines, but the vast majority of them happened during McKinley's term. And, mm. and, and there are all these horrible, you know, racial problems in the United States. But, but Teddy Roosevelt was the first person to have uh, African-American Booker T. Washington over to, to dinner yeah. at the White House. And he caught so much hell for that. So it's sort of an interesting situation because Teddy Roosevelt's the only president that we looked at who I thought was vastly more interesting, not as president. Yeah. You oh, know, that's like for he, sure, was yeah. ranch, he was a rancher. He was, and then after, I mean, the most fun that I thought of what Ryan was drawing was the whole sequence where he goes to the Amazon. Yes. Oh yeah. The river of doubt, right? Yeah. Yes, like, the river of doubt and he only drowns and dies of malaria and, I, re- I remember when draw, uh, drawing this one, I was I was surprised. Like, I mean, I knew a lot about Teddy Roosevelt, probably more than the other guys. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. The, his presidency is only like a fourth of the book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just so much more interesting stuff happened to him before that. It well, like, and he, he he pulled one of the all-time boner moves. He, he you know, swore he was only going to serve out one full term when he could have easily – run for a second term even this is even before the amendment was passed that prevented you from, from serving yeah. i think he still could have run since he had technically only served out you know the rest of mckinley's uh second he'd only been elected to one term he only been yeah, elected that's to right term. Yeah. yeah that's right right and he instantly regretted it and then <laughs> right. made poor taft's life a living hell yes for the extent of his presidency and so yeah so teddy was is definitely i find teddy almost the most complex figure of all of them most definitely so many, you know, he was weirdly like, you know, in you know, he, in many ways he represents sort of American imperialism, but you know, as a president, he just kind of oversaw the, 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 you know, Panama declaring independence and thereby smoothing the way for the Panama canal. He didn't really do much to, you know, bring that about. Well, and, and you're right. There's so much for and after that presidency, his, a time in the Badlands, his time as as police commissioner in New, in New York. Obviously, right. the war, all yeah. those things. Uh, such a interesting and complex man for sure. Um, let's let's move to another interesting and complex man, JFK. And I I think you chose a really interesting connecting theme for that one. You say Anoa says the story of America isn't just people becoming America; it's also about America becoming more like you. So tell us why you chose that angle with JFK and how you use that theme uh, throughout the book. You know, I think when you're writing for kids, uh, you obviously shouldn't write down to them, but I think you need to sort of go that extra mile to sort of explain to folks why this is important. I thought thought the immigration angle was fairly important. It was very important, or the religious angle, which Mm -hmm. is really an immigration angle. People forget how the anti-immigrant attitudes of a lot of our uh, present day politics are sort of baked in. Like it's just one of those things that's always been uh, part of America since the very beginning when it wasn't the Germans 
you know, it was the Irish and it wasn't the Irish, it was the Italians, it wasn't the Italians, it was the Jews, and it wasn't the Jews, it was the Mexicans, and so on and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed like a very straightforward thing to to look at because JFK's sort of tenure was problematic. I mean, you know, it's funny, Teddy Roosevelt was was a quarter of the book. I think JFK's presidency is the vast majority of this book, even though he only served three years. He was the shortest, he was involuntarily the shortest serving president that we looked at. Um, but, you know, the PT-109 stories remains fascinating, oh, yeah. and Brian did a great job of executing that. Um, yeah, it, was nice, it was nice to do get a little more narrative uh, in that volume. Mm-hmm. That's true. And have more of, like, more of like an adventure story in the middle of it rather than... Uh, and you said this one's your favorite, right, Brian? It really is, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think... Um, I don't know. It's like I felt like we were we were hitting a groove at this point. Yeah, that's right. And um, I think it was, we had to come up with a lot of effective imagery and storytelling. Sure. I don't know. It just it, it felt like the most whole out of all of them. Like as as a, as a story, like it could almost stand on its own apart mm-hmm. from sure. the rest of the mm-hmm. series. Well, I know. I thought it was interesting when I first read your book. I had just finished Fred Logovall's recent uh, biography of JFK that goes up through uh, up to his run for the presidency, and we had just interviewed Fred on American POTUS, and he really stresses the family not even though they were so wealthy, they still faced a lot of bias and prejudice because of their Irish background, which really I hadn't thought that much about before. Uh, right. So it was really, really a fascinating perspective. And then you guys uh, seconded that, and I thought really did a great job throughout the whole book. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Joe Sr. Kennedy, the, I mean, really that was his motivation for him personally getting into politics by becoming the ambassador to Great Britain and then pushing Joe Jr. and then later Jack into politics was to sort of, you know, make ensure the family would be thought of as quote-unquote real Americans. Mm -hmm. We'll get into how this creative team comes up with their amazing illustrations in just a moment. But first, we want to remind you to visit AmericanPOTUS.com. You can easily find links to all four books in the Action President series, as well as our other expert contributors. And be sure to like or follow us on Facebook and Twitter, so you'll be up to date on future episodes and announcements. Thanks for listening to American POTUS. Now, I know we, we've talked a little bit about the the fabulous artwork in these as we've gone through this, but let, let's let's dive in a little bit more. I, I really loved your illustration of the Rough Riders in your look at TR. How did you decide to depict each man and those around him in, in something like in something like that illustration? I recall that Fred had. I don't know if it was if if Fred had put this together or if I had done it separately, but it was. The idea was to get across that it was a pretty motley crew of people, that it wasn't, um, you know, even though you see them in pictures, it looks like a military unit, but they really did come from all walks of life. And so I said, you know, oh, yeah, let's draw, you know, a guy in a football helmet. (laughs) (laughs) The Bjorn Borg type guy, because they were, there was like polo players and, you know, all sorts of weirdos. And they were just like this, you know, it that's the power of comics. You can get absurd and still be truthful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and speaking of absurd, but, but very truthful, your depiction of JFK as um, the operation game in how you're explaining his various elements. I loved that. I thought that was hilarious, but also again, you're learning a lot on that, on that one illustration. That was one thing I didn't know about JFK until Fred, you know, started doing his research. I read the script was that he was, a very sick person and that, you know, he had so many medical problems and, uh, 
yeah, that was all, that was part of, that was all in Fred's script. I'd done a, a similar illustration years before. I don't know if Fred had ever seen it, where it was for a science fiction magazine oh, where, where it was an alien autopsy operation. Mm. But, um, yeah, I don't know, but I, I think, yeah, I think it, it worked out pretty well. Yeah. I'm, I'm, Go ahead, my I'm favorite, sorry. one of the facts that didn't make into into the book because it was a middle grade series was that at one point JFK had said that he needed to have sex with a different woman every three days or he'd get a migraine. Oh, right. <laughs> and what, what I find amazing about just the sheer amount of sex that he had, not it was not necessarily that he had it, that he was actually physically capable of it. Right, right. His back was so <laughs> terrible and he had so many, you know, these terrible gland problems and just you know it just he was physically he was just a mess like he made fdr look like the the, the paragon of health <laughs> um and so the, just the fact he was physically capable yeah. of having sex that often yeah i've never really thought of that I've, I've often thought you know how in the world did he do everything he needed to do as president but yeah yeah you're right he uh well there's a will very impressive a way, I yeah i guess so right you know if it's marilyn monroe i guess you know you you figure out a way yeah, yeah. right you uh you know you, you get an extra cup of coffee that day i guess <laughs> right <laughs> now in, in all these books you teach these civics lessons along the way you provide timelines and glossaries uh, in in action president uh, george washington for example you have a two-page spread that we love all about the uh duties of president spelled out in the constitution. Why did you decide to insert those details? And I assume they were pretty challenging given that some of that is kind of dry material, but important material. Yeah. That is the sort of stuff that made me drop out of. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say exactly that. Now, how do you make that not happen for your readers? <laughs> we, we do a lot. We've done a lot of those charts, like particularly in action philosophers. We did like a whole, we did the Joseph Campbell's hero's journey as a board game. And we did a whole spread in the comic book history of comics about all the charges that Frederick Wortham leveled against the medium and seduction of the innocent. So it's just sort of become a thing with us. And it just, it's a great way to get a lot of information in, in a short amount of time also in an appealing way. It's like, Oh, look at this. It's like a game I can play and, or, you know, it's a, it's a chart I can read and decode. And, Um, that article two, I guess it is right. That's the mm-hmm. president. That's I mean, right. Yeah. That's pretty straightforward. Like mo- much of it is unlike a, some other more arcane sections of the, of, of the constitution that, that was actually pretty easy to, yeah. to lay out yeah. there. Now, what's the funniest thing you learned about a, one of these presidents or the craziest thing you learned as you were doing your research for these books? The JFK sex thing was pretty strange. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In, in, I'd always read that, that, that Abraham Lincoln, that like the, one of the big knocks against Abraham Lincoln is that he suspended habeas corpus, right? The, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 I can't recall if I had the exact wording of, of what that, the, that sort of common law principle is, but basically it's you, if you arrest somebody, you have to, you know, present evidence yeah. proving why you arrested them and make sure they have a seat before a judge in a speedy time. And I, I always remember that, Oh, you know, Abraham Lincoln, they, so he freed the slaves, but he suspended habeas corpus. And right there in Article 2, it says that in times of resurrection, the president has the power to suspend yeah. habeas corpus. And I was like, why is everyone always giving Abraham like, a hard time? Because it yeah. literally says he can do – there's only so many things. You know, there's a very short list of things that are explicitly laid out in the Constitution. It's right. what the president can and cannot do, and that's one of them. Yeah, and he was trying, so kind of trying to save the country, you know, so I'm, yeah. you know, I give him a little, little leeway there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw that. That was kind of fascinating. And I, and I had no idea that uh, – I guess the other thing that I had no idea, or at least – 
was sort of vaguely, only vaguely aware of was that George Washington single-handedly started the French and Indian War. Yeah, a yeah. world war he started, yeah, <laughs> right. You know, oops, you know, <laughs> which sort of makes sense that why he was such a cautious, uh, when he became commander-in-chief during the revolution, it sort of explains why he was so cautious was because he basically blundered his way into this massacre of of these French Canadian prisoners that he had and and then they had to surrender against the uh the, when they came after him for it he had to surrender fort necessity which was this really like terrible like child's fort he made right. in the field that got flooded <laughs> when it rained and right. it, it was on such a like flat Lego blocks French, used. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Well, the French could like shoot into it. Like it was, it was so low. Like he, he flunked the first major, you know, uh, rule of fort building, which is high ground guys put it on high ground. Uh, I just thought that was sort of hilarious. I'm trying to think of one for every, Oh, the other thing, the other, the other sort of, uh, one of the other quote unquote controversies that we kind of ignore in the books, just cause I think it's a little silly is this, this, this obsession over whether Abraham Lincoln was gay or not. Oh yeah. Which I, I find sort of interesting, which I don't, I mean, I've read a bunch on it and none of it's, I found terribly convincing. Sort of the strangest thing is it's like he had the one guy gets uh, Joshua speed was the guy's mm-hmm. name. Yeah. His friend right. back in um, Springfield mm-hmm. in Springfield who uh, they, 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 they're like, well, they shared a bed for, you know, forever, but that's cause like they didn't, they only had room and could only afford one bed. <laughs> like, yeah. And that was fairly that was, common. That was a very like, common practice in that time. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Beds were, uh, you know, it's like sharing a car. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you only got the one, you know, in the household. Uh, so I sort of found that. Yeah, Lincoln told, you know, adult life pre presidency was a big blind spot for me. So just, you know, for some reason yeah. I knew nothing about it. So just making the books was it, these are these making these books is always an education for me because uh, I don't know it's um, Fred just reads more than me so it's nice he he does the research so I don't have to <laughs> there you go well I will say Lincoln for my time I was director of the Lincoln Library for about three years and and learning about that pre presidency was fascinating and you know seeing oh, sure. how he that rose from library. from it was all my work it was all my work yeah. Um, just seeing how he went from you know poverty and and no real opportunity for education, yeah, right? And yeah. suddenly he's leading our nation and saving our nation. Uh, it's really an amazing story. So yeah, and I, I was one- fascinated by Springfield because it's like it's it's the it's the state capital, right? And I flew in. My wife was having a play done in Chicago, so I flew into mm-hmm. Springfield. I was going to stay overnight and go to the all the various Lincoln sites, and then go take the train up to Chicago. Uh, it was sort of, it was like, it was like early or fairly mid spring. And I was, I took a, uh, one of those little like short buses from the airport with, with the, that the stewardesses take, right. To get to the, yeah. the to, to get to the hotel. And then as I was going through the various Lincoln sites, I kept running into the stewardesses over and over again <laughs> close because they were doing the same. The, the three of us were the only people in Springfield. Right. Right. It's, and it's <laughs> a very small town. Lincoln I didn't know until I moved there how, how small Springfield is. So that's uh, yeah. interesting. It's all, all Lincoln all the time, but it's uh, yeah, the Lincoln home is there and I hope you got, mm-hmm. got to the Lincoln home and of course the Lincoln tomb and really, really amazing places. The train station. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. There you go. All. all the, all the Lincoln, all the Lincoln all the time that you ever could want right there in Springfield. Right. right. As many pennies <laughs> as you can handle. All kinds of pennies. Yeah. They only take pennies in Springfield. That's how right? you pay for everything. That's how, that's how I paid my mortgage in pennies. It was a, a little, 
a little difficult, but worth it. Worth it to, to honor <laughs> a great president. Springfield can never sneak up on you because the jangle. Of the jangle <laughs> of I had to carry a cart behind me. I pulled a cart full of pennies <laughs> wherever I went, and uh, but everyone else did, so it didn't really stand out. Hey guys, I got I got cut off the last two minutes. You probably didn't notice, but uh, I missed that. Oh, you, no. Well, you missed a lot of Springfield jokes. Yeah, you did. I, you I, did. The last See? thing I heard was like, I kept running into the stewardesses. <laughs> Wonder where that story is like, oh. going. Yeah, right. I'm like, oh. Sadly, the story goes nowhere interesting. <laughs> right. <laughs> I had a very nice steak. I, I loved it because it was like Springfield. So, so it's like there were a lot of great steakhouses. I was like, this is a state capital. <laughs> ah, <laughs> I love it. Uh, obvious. <laughs> Got to nice. drag them out somewhere for dinner. <laughs> On that note, Fred and Ryan, let's have a little more fun with some of our top action presidents with a little this or that game. All right. I love it. All right. Let's, let's get your take on these because they are action presidents. They're kind of superheroes, right? Oh, sure. So let's go through some of these. If George Washington had a superpower, would it be flying or invisibility? Debate, please. Discuss. I definitely think he'd go for invisibility. Absolutely invisibility. He, he wanted to get away from being a president. For so That's long. right. <laughs> he also won the revolution basically by keeping the, the Continental Army away from the British. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if, particularly if he could actually project that invisibility around the entire army. <laughs> right. I mean, having an invisible but, army is pretty great just in general, but... Basically, he won by retreating over and over, right? Exactly. So yeah. n- nothing would help that more than invisibility. I think everybody thinks he could fly already just looking at him. So (laughs) that's true. Thomas Jefferson's superpower. Would it be telepathy or x-ray vision? Jefferson was kind of weirdly like Sphinx like and bullheaded. So I I think telepathy would have helped him quite a lot, but he was also very scientifically minded. So he might've liked the x-ray vision to sort of see into things. Uh, That's true. Yeah. When you said x-ray vision, I was thinking of all the, as a kid, seeing all the like cutaways of, his designs of Monticello. It's like, Oh, here's a secret passageway I, that he engineered himself. And to, you know, in the, That's the library, that was a place that my parents used to drag me to all the time as a kid. <laughs> we lived in Richmond. It's like, all right, kids, let's go to, let's go to, you know, Jefferson. Well, we Monticello was one and, and then Mount Vernon was the other one. Like, yeah. Yeah. So what I, I think I was kind of adverse to doing presidents. <laughs> when I an adult, I was all like my childhood. I'd been all presidented out. This one should be fun. Andrew Jackson's superpower. Would it be Ooh. teleportation or regenerative healing? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I abstain. <laughs> I feel like Jackson would have been a good, like, Hulk uh, analog. Like, he mm-hmm. had such a temper, and he probably would have, like, you know. And, and the Hulk's uh, transformations have sometimes been uh, referred to. Uh, former Marvel writer here, including mm-hmm. <laughs> I've also yeah. done superhero comics in addition to the nonfiction comics, uh, as sort of like a regenerative healing kind of thing. So I would say he he could Hulk out like that. That to me would be yeah. the good Andrew Jackson superpower. I think he was angry all the time, like we found out the Hulk is. So that's okay. that's Jackson. Yeah, yeah, that's right, 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 right. That's right. Very true. <laughs> All right, one of your subjects, one of your books, Abraham Lincoln. Would his superpower be immortality? Or force fields, <laughs> force field. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's 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 the big argument. Immortality, right? Does that imply that your your body is self healing, or if you got shot in the back of the head in the theater, would you just live the rest of your life with a giant hole in the back of your head? Yeah, that would zombie like. Yeah. yeah. So I, I would have to say force field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same here. 
Teddy Roosevelt, would his superpower be enhanced senses or fire generation? (laughs) (laughs) This is like a Rorschach test for you, Scott, actually. I'll be honest. Teddy Roosevelt, (laughs) crazy guy. He can already generate his own fire. Yeah, good point. I would would go with the, uh, oh, shoot, now I forgot what it was. I can't imagine a hunter, as big a hunter as Teddy Roosevelt was, would turn down enhanced senses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's just too useful. Uh, Next up, Tricky Dick, Richard Nixon. Would his superpower be time travel or invisibility? (laughs) Definitely time travel. Yeah. I can't imagine that guy trying to shy away from anything. He'd go back and switch a couple votes in Chicago and win the yeah, 1960. That's right. That's right. <laughs> right. Then he wouldn't have to deal with any of that Watergate mess. All right. Next up, uh, Ronald Reagan. Would his superpower be telepathy or levitation? Can he levitate <laughs> himself or others or both? I think, well, well, you came up with this, Scott. Is it for himself or? Can he make you levitate? For himself. Oh, okay. Still, Ronald Reagan was a lifeguard. Ah, uh, yeah. well and so I'm, I'm guessing levitation is a very useful lifeguard skill. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> and t- telepathy just seems like... Telepathy seems horrifying to actually have actually it really does you're right it's just like oh i mean we already have to have it or to be around somebody that has it It would just be think about what levitation would have done in the summits with gorbachev and others if you just came levitating in yeah Yeah. you have an immediate advantage you do well knowing reagan though it's not like he would hide the fact he had levitation so by 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 the time gorbachev said like oh right here we go here we go again (laughs) i wouldn't hide if i had it i'd Levitate, frankly, all the time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <I would> frankly, <laughs> yeah. All right, two left. Bill Clinton, okay. would would Bill's superpower be additional limbs or regeneration? Additional limbs, okay. <laughs> you could play the sa- three saxophones. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I just, want, I just want to see. Now I'm just picturing that. Now I have to draw this. <laughs> I have to draw Bill Clinton with eight arms. All right, last one, Barack Obama. Would his superpower be super speed or mind control? I mean, who wouldn't want to drop some mind control in Mitch McConnell? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Oh. Think about what Absolutely, he could get done. With. You know, the problem with super speed is that everyone else is just the same regular slowness. So yeah, yeah. It, it, it's practical in fighting, fighting crime, but I don't think terribly practical when you're trying to get legislation passed. Or if you're like going somewhere, you get there, you know, hours before other people do. Yeah, the Secret Service are going to get tired out. Yeah, it's not going to work. Chasing your ass down. <laughs> unless you, unless he carries them in some way, but that would be yeah, uh, doesn't seem weird. right for a president to have to do that. That's right. Then you, then you emasculate the Secret Service agents. So you do. You're right. Yeah. Fred and Ryan, this has been great. Uh, what's next for you guys? What, what's going on? What's next? Um, well, we just wrapped up, uh, well, the creative side of mm-hmm. um, the comic book history of animation. And as Fred said, that's coming out uh, in serialized form right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and there'll be a collected edition available in July from IDW Publishing. And uh, that's all I have coming up right now. I think Fred has some projects coming up, though. Well, in a few weeks, we'll be launching a Kickstarter to color our oh, right. uh, original series 
oft mentioned in this podcast, Action Philosophers. So mm-hmm. feel free to follow us on Twitter at Fred Vanlady or Ryan Dunlavey or both or on Facebook. And we'll be announcing that in about a month, I'd say. If you like podcasts, and I assume you do since you're listening <laughs> to this one, my wife, Crystal Skillman, and I wrote a play about the life of the great cartoonist Jack Kirby that, that's been turned into an audio drama called King Kirby. And that's going to be on the Broadway Podcast Network. But you can find it on Spotify or iTunes or anywhere else. And that'll, that's launching February 10th. Very neat. Well, well, we'll be looking for all that. Thank you both so much for joining us today on American POTUS. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. The American POTUS Podcast is produced by the National Museum of American Presidents. Graphic design by the Thought Bureau. An original music score by Jonathan Clark Music. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes, you can send us a note at AmericanPOTUS.com or stop by our social pages on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Finally, it's our presidential last word from the first POTUS, George Washington. Quote, The best means of forming a manly, virtuous, and happy people will be found in the right education of youth.